everybody and I just add my welcome to worship. As Sheila has said, today is a little bit different. We are drawing on old Baptist history. For those who are into Baptist history, and I gather our visitor is an expert, so I hope I get this something like right. A little over 400 years ago, two men called John Smith, Smythe, or, and Thomas Helwes from the English East Midlands fled to Holland to escape religious persecution. And whilst they were there, came into contact with what we would nowadays call Anabaptists and discovered what was going to become the Baptist way of being. 400 years ago, Thomas Helwes returned and rather than going back to the East Midlands, which would have been sensible, he went to London and founded the first English Baptist church, in fact, the first Baptist church um, 400 years ago this year. And if we could go back 400 years... Baptists didn't have separate services and church meetings. They thought that was a nonsensical divide. And so we're recovering a little bit of our history as we look at Beyond 400, which is the, the bugbee theme of the assembly that I was at last week. So that's why we will move pretty much seamlessly from worship in an obvious traditional way to us into what we might term business, recognising that all of it is done under the rule of Christ. Our call to worship is Psalm 121. I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where will my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. He who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time on and forevermore. All of our hymns this morning um, take us on that journey through 400 years. The very earliest Baptists did not sing hymns. They thought that was not the thing to do. So the first hymn we're going to sing, which is a 17th, 18th century hymn, um, will probably not have been sung by Baptists 400 years ago, but would certainly have been sung 400 years ago. It's Isaac Watts' great hymn, Our God, Our Help in Ages Past. Um, it is in the hymn book at number 389, Words will also appear on the screen. If you're using the screen, there is a slight emendation in one of the verses um, because we're not having sons, we're having people or us because um, we're all God's children. Um, if you are able, please would you stand as we sing our God, our help in ages past.
Let us come to God in prayer. Let's pray together. God of the past, as we recall your faithfulness and generosity, we meet in the name of Christ to worship you. We marvel at the mystery of your creativity, speaking all that is into being, declaring all creation good, and freeing it to discover its own fulfilment. We wonder at the decadence of your generosity, unnumbered stars, incalculable varieties of life teeming in oceans and on land, unending diversity and variety in every aspect of creation. We call to mind our forebears in faith, Baptists, Catholics, Orthodox, Methodists, Anglicans, Presbyterians, Pentecostals, Conservatives and Liberals, Radicals and Conformists, each one carrying the Gospel message in their time and their place. God of the present, as we recognise the particularity of our own situation, we come to you in Christ's name to confess our sins, personal and corporate. We know that we have failed to meet our own standards of morality, generosity and spirituality, never mind yours. We know that at times we have done what we ought not to have done, and that others have failed to act when we should have done. We have failed to speak words of encouragement, hope or love, but have uttered bitter words of criticism or condemnation. We have had the audacity to assume that we are righteous and others unrighteous. Please forgive us and help us to change. God of the future, already waiting for us to discover our way forward. We seek your spirit's inspiration for our today. Give us clarity of mind and generosity of heart in all we do, say or think. Give us courage for the challenges we face in church, at work, at home. Above all, close us with your love and fill us afresh with compassion for your world. God of all times, we offer our prayer in Christ's name. Amen.
The scripture reading this morning is a selection of short passages from the letter to the Hebrews. I'm reading from the new RSV version. Long ago, God spoke to our ancestors in many and various ways by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by a son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom he also created the worlds. He is the reflection of God's glory and the exact imprint of God's very being. And he sustains all things by his powerful word. When he had made purifications for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Indeed, by faith, our ancestors received approval. By faith, we understand that the worlds were prepared by the word of God, so that what is seen was made from things that were not visible. Yet all these, though they were commended for their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better, so that they would not, without us, be made perfect. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and the sin that clings so closely, and let us run with perseverance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, who, for the sake of the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and has taken his seat at the right hand of the throne of God. Therefore, lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees, and make straight paths for your feet, so that which is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. Pursue peace with everyone, and the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and through it many become defiled. Let mutual love continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality for strangers, for by doing that some have entertained angels without knowing it. Remember those who are in prison as though you were in prison with them. Those who are being tortured as though you yourselves were being tortured. Let marriage be held in honor by all and let the marriage bed be kept undefiled for God will judge fornicators and adulterers. Keep your lives free from the love of money. And be content with what you have, for he has said, I will never leave you or forsake you. So we can say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can anyone do to me? Remember your leaders, those who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever.
So, as I've already said, the Baptist movement, for want of a better word, began a little over 400 years ago with these people who went out from England to Holland and then came back and founded the church in Spitalfields. Since that time, the Baptist movement has spread across the globe. I have a friend here from the Italian Baptist Union, and we have many other people who have been part of other Baptist unions, conventions, and connections down the years. It has to be said that in Great Britain there are an awful lot of different Baptist unions and groupings, but they all trace their roots back to this same point in history. And last weekend I was at the Bugby BMS Assembly that marked that 400th anniversary and began to think, what next? What is it that we can learn from our forebears in faith that might inform our present and our future. There are key Baptist principles, believers' baptism, congregational governance, separation of church and state, religious liberty and freedom of conscience, and all of those were reiterated. Recognising that the context of 21st century Britain and in our case, specifically 21st century Scotland, is very different from its 16th century counterpart. During the assembly, all of the acts of worship used readings drawn from the book of Hebrews, and I've pulled some of those together in what Ian has just read for us, along with some additional bits for us to reflect upon today. But let's just try and get the old grey matter moving, shall we? Somewhere that we all know, it's a shame, I don't think Ewan's here today, but somewhere we all know and love. Glasgow Botanic Gardens on a sunny day, a kibble palace with sunlight streaming through it. A place very close to us, a place we know and love, part of where we serve God. And this one is Glasgow by night with the moon. I'm very fond of the moon. It's kind of something I really love to look at. But this picture, looking across Glasgow at night, at full moon. The same moon that shone over those Baptists all those years ago. And as I thought about that, and as I thought about the past and the present, I was drawn back to a little bit of kind of physics-y stuff. I don't think Jen's here. My physicist's not here, so that's okay. If I get it wrong, there's no one to tell me picture of the sun shining over the earth. It's a bit distorted on there because it was a teeny-weeny picture when I pulled it off the web. The light from the sun that we see left the sun eight minutes ago. So when we look at the sun, we are actually looking eight minutes into the past. This is a night sky over Glasgow, looking south. It's amazing what you can find on the internet these days. How they managed to see so many stars that night, I have no idea, but they did. And Sirius is the brightest star in the sky, the dog star in the constellation Canis Major. And that light takes nine years to reach us. I wonder what you were doing nine years ago when that light left that star. Some of you were quite little. Some of the students would still have been at school 
Some of you whose children have grown up would have had children at home. Some of you would have been at university. Some of you would have been working who are now retired. But the light from nine years ago shines on our today, or our tonight at least, you can see it in the daytime, but you get the idea. This is looking to the north. And the North Star, the one we use to navigate by in the Little Bear, or the uh, Ursa Minor, uh, that light left around 430 years ago. So around the time that those first Baptists were beginning to think what it was that it meant to follow Jesus, were beginning to realise they couldn't exist within the structures of their time, the light left that star, which shines on us in the dark. The Orion Nebula, um, Orion's one of the easiest constellations to find. Unfortunately, for some reason, it was right over to the edge of the picture. But 1,500 years ago, that light left and began its journey towards us. So that's around about the time that the church was just getting going. The Bible, as we understand it, had just been agreed in the 300s-ish, and the church was beginning to become an established organisation. And then Eta Leonis. I had to work really hard to find one that fitted this bill. In the Leo, the lion constellation, uh, their stars have all just got Greek letters. But Eta Leonis, the light from there, set off around about 2,000 years ago. So when Jesus walked the earth, that light began its journey towards us. You see, whether we like it or not, the past actually physically shines on our present and as we look out we are looking into the past now I realise that's all kind of physics stuff and it's a bit weird and not everybody's thing but there you go so another picture another way of looking at it this is um, some walks in Glasgow somewhere, uh, sorry in Scotland somewhere I forgot to check where they were I quite liked it because all the arrows were pointing the same way. So whichever journey you were on, you had to start off going the same way. So if you're a Catholic or a Baptist or a Methodist or a Church of England or Church of Scotland, you're all headed off on that same journey in that same direction. Now then, here are some people walking. Where is the past and where is the present in that picture? Any thoughts? You see, the people in front are actually, where we are, is their past. I don't know about you, but when I think of the past, I tend to think it's behind me. It's, you know, over there. Actually, this shows us it's in front of us. Those people that went before us in faith, the eight couples who came out from Adelaide Place to found this church, the people who went to Holland to, to investigate what then became the Baptist Church are somewhere on that journey ahead of us. My pointer's going to misbehave now. Up there somewhere. In some sense, the future is there. The, sorry, the past is there because they're already ahead of us. So this person is actually, in some senses, in the past relative to this person who represents us. As we look at the past, what we actually do is we glimpse the backs of those who are going on ahead of us. 
There's a Baptist theologian called Paul Fiddies. He's just turned 65, and he's very clever. But he talks about the idea of us glimpsing the back of a God who has just passed by. He says this, a God who has just passed by and whose back we are graciously allowed to catch a glimpse of. Beautiful idea that God is somewhere ahead of us and we catch a glimpse of God's back. Well, I think it's lovely anyway. The idea that we're always playing catch up with God, but we've never quite got it sussed. And just when we think we've caught up with where God is, guess what? God's a few steps ahead of us again, off on that way into the future. And so we turn very briefly to those passages of scripture that we've heard, written in the light of that same sun that lights our days and seeking to hear what it has to say to us. In a few verses, we get a very broad brush picture of the whole sweep of history, which began long ago when God spoke to the ancestors of the early believers in Jesus. And it stretches forward beyond anything that we have yet seen or imagined. And that's where faith has to come in. Our knowledge of the past, the way in which God's faithfulness sustained our forebears and enabled them to live out their faith in their context, informs our present day lives of prayer and worship and witness. And as we read those stories of the past and write our own story in the present, amazingly, we too contribute to the story of the future. Because just as we see the backs of those who are ahead of us, there are people coming along who see our backs ahead of them. And I think that's really exciting. Because of the way I selected the readings, we omitted a large amount of Hebrews 11. But I think most people are familiar with that great catalogue of heroes of the faith. Mostly men, it has to be said, but a few women. And it says quite clearly in scripture, it is only in company with everyone who comes after them, only through the whole sweep of history that perfection will be achieved. We have this lovely image of the great cloud of witnesses, which includes those we read about in the Bible. Of course it does. But it includes the ordinary women and men who have encouraged and inspired us in our own time. I wonder who those are for you. Who are the people who have inspired and encouraged you on your faith journey so far? But here's what's more amazing and beautiful. It also includes every single one of us. Just as the light from far away travels through history to reach us, so the light of Christ within us will shine on through history beyond us to people who aren't yet born. One day we'll all have gone, but God willing, this congregation will still be here and the message of Christ will still be told. I think that's pretty amazing. Now, if we're honest, as well as amazing, that's quite daunting, isn't it? The thought that people would look at us And we are their examples. We are the people who show them the way to Jesus. This 
characteristics that we're supposed to have. Love, peace, holiness, hospitality, empathy. Golly. Have you got all of those and got them sorted? Because I sure haven't. And actually when we read that list of qualities, we actually need to use them as a kind of a mirror that we hold up to see ourselves and say, how do I match up with those qualities? Not how do you match up, or how do they match up, or them. How do I match up? What's my love, my holiness, my hospitality, my empathy like? Because we are part of that cloud of witnesses in whom those characteristics are either observed or not. How on earth can we do that? Well, I think we have to remind ourselves of those closing words. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The goal of everything we try is the same as it was for those who went before us. The promises that shape our lives about God are the same promises that shaped their lives. Of course the context is different. They didn't have PowerPoint 400 years ago, which is probably a good thing. They didn't have computers and telephones and cars. They didn't have some of the scientific knowledge that we had. Of course not. Some things don't change. The heart of the gospel never changes. God's love, God's mercy, God's grace, God's desire that none be lost, God's gift of God's son for the salvation of the whole cosmos. And if you noticed in that reading, it actually talked about worlds, plural, rather than world. Didn't have time to go and look at that, but God is God of all of that, and Christ has redeemed all of that. And so we move on. We take our place in that great cloud of witnesses. We walk steadily on the road before us, following Christ, the perfect pioneer. And here's the mystery. As we move on beyond 400 into our future, that becomes the past that informs the people behind us. Today, we are recovering that early Baptist practice of combining our morning worship with our church meeting, recognizing that the separation of spiritual and business is ultimately false. There is no theological difference in what we are doing in either of those activities. We're going to be taking time to recall the journey we've travelled in the last decade or so in relation to how God is calling us to employ our promises. We're going to uh, consider and agree actions relating to our review of ministry and mission as we go into our short-term future so that we may grow in faith and live faithfully as disciples. We will begin a process of engaging with the challenges of what it means to be a Baptist church covenanted according to the five core values of the Baptist Union of Great Britain. Remember those from the induction service? That we would be worshipping, inclusive, missional, prophetic and sacrificial. In each of these, the light from our past and that of the wider church shines light on our endeavours and the choices we make under the guidance of God's Holy Spirit. And that will lighten, hopefully, the path for those who follow us. The challenges aren't small. There are no quick-fix solutions. 
But as the writer of Hebrews said, the Lord is our helper. And so we don't need to be frightened. The promise made by Jesus to his followers, restated to the early church and trusted by countless generations of believers before us, is as true as it ever was. (laughs) Do you remember that chorus that we used to sing years ago? Yesterday, today, forever, Jesus is the same. All may change, but Jesus never. Glory to his name. That's true. We have a dependable God who in Christ and by the power of the Holy Spirit is with us every step of the way as we remember our future and continue our discipleship, our mission and our ministry in this place. Amen. We move now into the 19th century, and we're going to sing a hymn written by a Baptist, H. Wheeler Robinson. And I think this was actually written as a New Year hymn, but that doesn't matter. It can be sung at any time of the year. Lord Christ, whose love has brought us here. And if we're able, please stand as we sing. now begin to bring together in one place the things that we do in church on a Sunday and the things we normally do in the church meeting. What could be more natural than to share our pastoral news as we come to bring our prayers to God? And so we're going to just think of the people who are on our hearts and minds in our fellowship 
especially at the moment, and you might have to join in because I will forget them. And then after that, Walter is going to lead us in our prayers of intercession. So, because we haven't yet formally recorded it in our church minutes, we need to record the safe arrival of Sadie. Um, She has been seen here, baby Sadie, but we haven't actually formally recorded that in a church meeting log. And that's the log is the story of our lives. It's not just a legal document. We think of Graham Edwards, who has had his surgery and is now home, and also of Elaine and the girls. We think of Morag and of Joyce and Irene, who's got various health problems. We think of Jean Delmore, who's not with us. We think of all our students who either have just finished exams or are tearing their hair out out, trying to get through those last few exams, especially Emma and Naomi. Um, Any other students around that I've missed? Paul, I guess you probably got exams as well. What else should I be remembering that I have forgotten? Who else should I be remembering that I have forgotten? Okay. Well, even if we remember them when we're doing the prayers, that's fine, because God already knows, God hears us, and God can be depended on to be with those people wherever they are. So Walter is now going to formally lead us in our prayers for other people. In our prayers this morning, the response to Lord in your mercy is hear our prayer. Let us all pray. Loving Lord, as we reach that part of our service we bring our prayers to you, we start by recognising just how much you have already given us. We bring deep gratitude and pray that we will respond in our loving concern for fellow humanity. We remember first those we have just been reminded of by Katrina. We bring those and any others that are in our minds now, we bring them before you in our prayers. We live in a world where the beauty of your creation is at odds with the conflict, persecution and terror which affect so many parts of our planet. We feel such pain as we see our fellow beings suffer without being able to see what we could possibly do to help. Compared to the world at large, we live in relative tranquility. We have our difficulties, but set against those in other lands, we are indeed blessed. We pray that you will move hearts in that wider world, that peace and reconciliation will take the place of war that disputes will be settled by reasoned discussion rather than knee-jerk turn to arms, that the ultimate futility of conflict will become plain to all in positions of leadership and authority. Speak to the hearts of those whose twisted view of their faith turns them into murderous fanatics, or those whose greed destroys livelihoods as well as the earth's resources in their headlong quest for personal wealth. Lord, in your mercy. 
In our own land, we pray for those for whom the present economic climate brings distress, unemployment and fear for the future. We pray for wisdom among politicians and economists that will restore economic strength and that a less greedy society will ensure future stability and greater equality. We pray for those around us whose happiness is blighted by misfortune, illness, loneliness and enmity. Give us courage and imagination to create opportunities to let those in despair know of your grace and peace. Lord, in your mercy, we link this thought to our present situation here in Hillhead as we seek a way forward for the future of this building. We thank you for those who started this church in a 19th century Glasgow suburb and who served it over the years, achieving much in your name. We pray that we may be worthy successors. As we consider our options at our church meeting, may we always see much more than just a building in which we can continue to have church services. Give us imagination to see possibilities together with the courage to take or not take particular decisions. Above all, give us a sense of unity in which working of your spirit is evident. In our meeting, where we will be discussing our ministry review, we again pray for a sense of your presence. May we bring open minds and open hearts to our discussion, and that in, your, in our conclusions, your will will indeed be done. We bring all of these prayers before you, asking, nevertheless, that thy will be done. In your mercy, Lord, hear our prayers. Amen. Generous God, who spoke all things into being, 
and who lights our world and all worlds always. Accept these gifts that we bring and may they be employed to continue to shine the light of Christ into this world, in this community and beyond. Amen. Our hymns then move on into the 20th century. And when I was searching for hymns that were either written by or for Baptists, I came across this one by Bishop Christopher Idle. He's an Anglican, I believe, and a bishop, but we won't hold either of those against him. He wrote this hymn for Peckham Baptist Church. Now, if you're into, uh, I forgot what it's called, the Del Boy thing. Um, that's Peckham, isn't it, where they are? So that's a church in that context in London where all the, the wide boys are flogging their dodgy stuff. So this is the context into which this hymn was written. What is our mission in this place, our vision for these days? Our homes alive with love for God, our cities filled with praise. If you can, please stand as we sing. Thank you. 